IABC Ottawa presents The Voice. The Voice offers expert insights and practical takeaways for people in the marketing communications industry. We're sharing the latest ideas and issues with sector professionals. What can we do to help you take your career to the next level? I am Tina Barton, and this is The Voice. I'm Deborah Hinton. I operate my practice under the name of Hinton Communication Matters, where I specialize in designing and implementing human-centered strategies that energize communications. I'm also VP membership at IABC Montreal, and I've been an indie communicator since 2002. I left my corporate role um, so that I could go out on my own and do my best work, which is in the design and implementation phase of projects. I'm Sohini Bhattacharya. And uh, I have been an independent uh, communicator now for two years. I am the co-founder and managing partner of Allegoro Communications. I feel like I have the heart of a writer and I'm destined to write a book one day. Everybody says that, all writers say that, but I really feel it. And as a PR professional, I wasn't getting that opportunity. I was doing more of the event management part of things than actually the writing part of it. I had my own standards of writing um, and I wanted to implement those. Um, and And the way to do that, I thought, was to branch out on my own and set my own standards. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of The Voice. I'm your host, Tina Barton. Today we're discussing indie communicators, what it takes to go independent. This episode is the first of a mini-series, so stay tuned for more. Today's marketing communications landscape is competitive. Some of us are weighing the idea of striking out alone, and for others it's a necessity. So today we're going to discuss key considerations when toying with becoming an independent, the essential startup steps to take, and how to overcome the biggest barriers to entry. I'm joined by two Indies, Deborah Hinton in Montreal and Sahini Bhattacharya in Toronto. Thanks, Tina. Hi. Let's start from hearing from you both, your own experience as an Indie communicator, maybe your motivation for starting, how long you've been going at it, challenges you faced, and what turned the tide and got business rolling. I've been a serial indie communicator for for a while and a serial independent. So for years I was working in HR consulting and and I went out on my own. And at a certain point I got hired as the director of internal comms for Alcan globally. And I did that role for a while and they redesigned the structure and I was pretty much done what my mandate was. And so I negotiated a way out where I could keep them as a client, and I did. And I built a practice around internal communications at that time. And a few years later, I got hired by Bombardier Aerospace to do their internal communications. And again, I did that role for a period of time and had done what I had gone there to do and negotiated my way out and kept them as a client. And I've been on my own for 13 years since then. And now this is Deborah we're hearing from, and something you've said twice now is that you kept both organizations as a client. And maybe that happened at the very start of you becoming independent. You you had a client right at, out the gate. Yes, and I think that's actually really, really important to have, to have something there as a foundation to build your practice on. It sounds like good advice. Sahini, let's hear, let's hear from you. Um, and we'll come back to Deborah, of course. But uh, let's hear about your own experience in in deciding to go independent. When was that? Um, How did it come about? 
Um, yeah, and I actually wanted to pick up where uh, Deborah left off. I think, you know, just the fact that Deborah was able to leave, uh, you know, a position and then retain them as a client uh, later when she became an independent just speaks volumes of her of her skills as an independent uh, communicator. Um, and also, I, I'd like to point out that, you know, uh, from the client's perspective, the clients are always looking to not build new relationships, but to hold on to the ones that they've already created so that they don't have to you know, teach someone all the way from the beginning um, how to do the job. Um, so I think, I think from that point of view, uh, you know, even the client wants uh, an independent who has worked with them in the past, you know, and they can trust. Um, having said that, <laughs> I uh, have a, a background in public relations. I was a public relations professional before I branched out as an independent. I have now been independent for the past two years, so I'm very new to this field. The name of my company is called Allegoro Communications, of which I am a co-founder and managing partner. One of the main reasons why I decided to, you know, become an independent was because I was not reaching my full potential of being a writer at the PR agency that I was working for. I just felt that there was a lot that I could do from a writing perspective that I was not able to do. Uh, and uh, and also the fact that I wanted my flexibility of time because uh, that's something that's very important to me. Uh, I wanted to make my work, not just work, but work uh, that's also pleasurable. Writing gives me a lot of joy. And um, I, I just wanted to do it at a time and at a place and at my own convenience, you know, in a way that I loved it the most. So that's why I decided to branch out. I think it's, um, I think it's common for people to first identify what it is that they dislike about their, their current position. And, um, and if they're lucky to figure it out, what it is that's dear to them. Um, yes. I think... I think what listeners would be interested to know is um, having established that, where on earth do you start? What are the key considerations? Because, and I think it was Deborah who said it earlier, you can't, you can't leave your job, you can't strike out alone without having clients or, or, or I'd say at least without having a plan about how to get them. Um, but again, maybe even the idea of how to get clients is, I don't know, maybe that's even a bit further down the track. So if you could both talk us through the, the realities of going alone, the other considerations that you had to address to be able to, to become an independent. There are basic nuts and bolts you have to do. But the first thing I want to say is, if anybody thinks that going out on your own is going to somehow be easier think again, because freelancing and consulting is not for the faint of heart. The risk is there every day. I completely agree with you, Deborah. And um, uh, for me, I would really like to say that before you take that plunge, which it really is, have a backup plan uh, financially, first of all, um, because you know, you're not going to see that monthly paycheck coming in. So make sure that you're, um, you're covered from that point of view. For me as a writer, I found it incredibly uh, important to have a body of writing already ready, um, you know, so that I didn't have to, you know, quit my job, then start writing and then look for clients. I started writing before I decided to quit my job. So that kind of helps having, having that body of work um, and then another thing, the reality that I had to face was that I had to get out of my comfort zone of, you know, not being a networking person and just become a serial networker. 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert. And that kind of challenged me a lot to just get out there and meet people from different, you know, industries, tell them what my business was and, uh, and, and get clients. Where do you go to find these people? Can you give us some examples of what type of events of events have proved successful? Sure. So number one, IABC, believe it or not, IABC was the first professional organization that I joined after, you know, striking out, so to speak. And, uh, you know, they have a lot of wonderful networking events throughout the year. Um, and within IABC, they have a sister organization called the Professional Independent Communicators. And that organization is, um, is essentially for independent communicators. So everybody that's like me will be a member of that organization and that and we host some amazing events which are networking and also idea oriented seminars you know that gives us an opportunity to meet people like us and network with them i think some people would be surprised to think that you could go to a networking event with other people in your same competitive space and come out of it with some business opportunities that's because I, I, I don't look at it as a competitive space. I look at it as a collaborative space because I feel that uh, starting out for me, I cannot uh, break ground, um, you know, in a way that will make a huge impact. But I can I can partner with people who've broken ground already and add value to their services and thereby build my profile too. Especially if you found complementary services, if you were covering the writing and they were covering something else. Exactly. And that's what I mean. And it's it's really not about co- competition. It becomes about collaboration. So you each learn and grow with each other until a point comes when you're ready to you know go on your own again. I really think that helped me a lot. And other than that, I joined other professional, um, you know, organizations like trade organizations. I'm a member of Markham Board of Trade here in Toronto. And um, I get a lot of uh, business from that because there are lots of uh, different kinds of businesses like, you know, real estate and, you know, financial services or just the spa services. And what they need is a lot of writing and they don't particularly know where to go looking for a writer or a professional writer. But when they see one in their group, they're sure to approach you because they know they need it. So that's that's another way that I get business. Excellent. Thank you. We'll head over to Deborah and um, hear about the nuts and bolts from her. Sohini said a couple of things that I think are really important to underline. One is to have an advisory board or some people that you either informally or formally can count on to give you objective advice on all kinds of aspects because all of a sudden you're like into legal things and administrative things and financial things. Guess what? Clients don't pay necessarily every 30 days. So you need cash flow. There are all kinds of aspects to being on your own that you never thought about before. And it's really good to have some people that you can count on for advice or organizations like your bank that you can count on for advice in terms of how to set things up. Registering here in Montreal, we have to register with our business with the city. Um, The PST here is very important. If you have any expectation of exceeding $30,000, of revenue annually, you need that number. So there's a lot of nuts and bolts at the beginning. And you need to think about the fact that you don't have vacation pay. You know, if you're going to take a vacation, you have to plan for it, save for it. Uh, You you don't have matched RRSPs from your 
from your um, employer. So you need to plan your own retirement. When you make money, you need to put it away because there's dry spells. Revenue flow is really lumpy. <laughs> and when it's good, it's very, very good. And when it's bad, it's terrible. <laughs> and when you're, when, you're, when you're working, you're not selling. And when you're selling, you're not working. So there's all of that. For me, the IABC has been a great network um, but that's come later in my in my indie experience. I built my networks, a lot of them informally. And the only thing I would say about that is that you need to make sure that they're as diverse as possible on age, gender, um, function. That's going to give you the most the most leverage in terms of knowing what's happening out there and being at the right place at the right time. Yeah, I completely agree. And and I guess in an, in a lot of ways, while you're following your heart and passion uh, in becoming an independent and you have your own time, uh, you know, your flexibility of time, um, becoming an independent consultant really requires you to grow up, I think, <laughs> you know, and uh, and in ways that you've never thought you'd had to. Because, well, it's, uh, it's interesting because I feel like I got 25% to 40% more time by not being in an office. Yeah. Um, at the same time, you need to be very self-motivated and disciplined. So I'm at my desk most days at 8 a.m. if I don't have a breakfast meeting. And I'm at my desk working either on a client project or on business development or phone calls until 5.30 or 6 every day. And just to pick up on something you said um, a few minutes ago, uh, I find it interesting and I, I can see why. You emphasized the necessity of having a diverse network, uh, not just in level of career, but in, in gender, in age. And could you share with the listeners why that's so important? Yeah, well, you know, I've been in my career for a while and my network has risen to the level of um, executive VPs and CEOs. And guess what? They don't make the decisions anymore. The people that report to them make the decisions. And they're retiring, (laughs) you know, and they're not there anymore to be advocates. And and so, you know, back to Sohini said it's, it's they want to hire who they know. You need to know the next generation, for example, right? I think that's a piece of advice that gets lost a lot too. And maybe people start to think about it as they approach retirement, but I think that's such great advice for people to be aware of at whatever stage they are in their indie development. We discussed a few of the downsides, the realities of going it alone, but what are some of the positives? With every new project is a whole new experience and a whole new team and a whole new business to understand. And that's what I love. Yep. You know, and and there's an opportunity to really make a difference and leave uh, a, a leader or a team in a better position and than when you came in. And I I love that. In this variety that we do get a chance to work with this this wide range of different kinds of clients. There's also a need to be mindful about professional development and also where you get inspiration from. So for me, I get inspiration from strange places like the Canadian Centre for Architecture um, or the Musée de Beaux-Arts or something, and I can bring it back into my work. But I have to like consciously go out of my little bubble that I'm in when I'm doing client work 
and expose myself to new ideas because I'm not going to get it from colleagues at work. And Sahini, what about you? How did you prepare yourself mentally to become an independent? Um, mentally, I I was just, I was, before I actually quit, the, before the day I actually quit, I was thinking about it for a year. Um, and I was, uh, you know, I, I, I was honing down on what I really wanted to do, uh, which is writing. I, I looked back at my career. I looked at my resume, quite honestly, and I looked at what other things, what are the things that I've done in the past and what is the common thread through it all. And what I found was it was writing. And, and I knew that, you know, this is what I wanted to do. Really, I just, this, I just started writing uh, a lot. That created the body of work. And then I, I made my own website. It's not, it's not a professionally done website, but I found that by channeling uh, some of the work towards something that's more, I don't know, tangible. It's not tangible, but, you know, like having a website is like having a presence. Uh, and it kind of solidifies the fact that, okay, I'm, I'm out now. I'm doing this on my own. It gives you an identity outside of your corporate identity. Uh, and I think that was, that was it that kind of made it real for me. You know, Deborah touched upon this to actually go ahead and, you know, ha- register your business. You know, that that is such an important step, I think, um, you know, to to make it real for you so that now, you know, it's almost like having a baby, right? <laughs> you yes. said, OK, now you have it. You have five years before your registration needs to be renewed and you have five years. You set yourself that time that you're going to make it or break it. And then you just get to work. That's it. It's pretty much that. Excellent. So we've touched on the HST, the business number. We've talked about websites very briefly. And obviously yeah. there are lots of tools and platforms. Some of them are even free that, um, that indie communicators can, can use to get their platform going. Business cards would be a, another obvious one. Yeah. Is there any other essential collateral that we haven't discussed LinkedIn is always up to date and it connects me with thousands of people. And you can, you know, buy the uh, premium uh, version when you're doing real uh, business development and you're in, in that mode and it'll slice and dice your network every which way till Sunday. It can be very, very helpful. But with LinkedIn, you can post there and on your website and you get cross traffic. And I think that that starts to be much more interesting. You, you need to be where the people you're trying to interest are. Let's, let's discuss barriers to entry. Um, Deborah, what was the biggest barrier to entry that you overcame? So, so here's my thing. I don't think that there are that many barriers to entry once you decide that you're going to do it. It's not like... You have to buy a lot of infrastructure or whatever. You need a computer, you need a phone, you need a printer, and any and you need your business registration and you, and your PST, and you can pretty much get started. So what I find is the biggest challenge is that it's so competitive. Um, so when you're just starting out, and and depending on the kind of thing that that is your offer, you're competing with new grads and young professionals who right now can't get work and are offering their services for free. So that's happening at one end. And at the other end, you have senior executives who are retiring and hanging out their shingle. And so that's the biggest challenge right now. And that leads to something that we haven't directly talked about, which I think is so important, which is that you really need to know what your distinct value proposition is. Um, 
So when Sohini's talking, it's not just about writing, it's about grant proposal writing is a specialty. That's, you know, that's something that she really does, for example. And I think you really have to have that unique value proposition clearly framed in your mind. And on top of which, the other challenge is if it's not, you're going to get a call from somebody who asks you to do something and you're capable of doing it. And eight months later, you realize you're not doing what you really wanted. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's, that's important because that's one of the reasons you decided to go alone in the first place. Exactly. Right now, I'm in the process of revisiting my positioning again for the 10th time out of 13 years. So, you know, it's something that you need to do pretty often and just check in with yourself and say, okay, am I doing the kind of work that I really love? Who am I targeting? Is it the right target for, for the thing that I offer? All of that. And what, what is the value to them of that? And is that going to help me make a living? Because that's the idea, right? Um, so it's, it's, it's a constant process. And, and if it's not a constant process, then you're pretty much stuck and you're stagnating and you'll end up hating what you're doing. Something we haven't discussed, I haven't heard either of you mention it. Uh, what about the idea of dipping your toe in the water before leaving your full-time job. Did either of you do that, or did you make a clean cut when you went independent? I, I made a clean break of it. I, I did not dip my... The only way I dipped my foot into it was just recreational writing for myself, uh, but nothing that was paid work. Um, so, you know, for me, it was a clean break. It was a bold move, and um, I, 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 you know, I had the, the backing from my uh, partner and my husband, um, you know, who said, go ahead. And that was it. I, I just went ahead. And Dibber, was it the same for you? Yeah, I'm not a dipper. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- thank you very much. Uh, there's been a ton of content we've covered in today's show. And the listeners will be posting resources, supporting resources to cover the content you've heard in this episode. And we'll be posting links to both Sahini and Dibber's business. So you can go and see how they're going it alone or how, how they're being independent in their communications. Thank you so much, Tina. I really appreciate the opportunity. Nice meeting you too, Sohini. Look out for my next episode in this Indie Communicator series, which will explore how to identify your unique value proposition, find business opportunities, work with associates and agree on fees, and much more. Thanks to all the listeners out there for tuning into The Voice. The Voice is produced here in Ottawa, Canada, You can subscribe to our show on iTunes. A special thanks to Ashley McGrath from Thornley Fellis, an integrated communications agency, for producing this episode. Make sure to visit ottawa.iabc.com for more about the show and related resources. IABC Ottawa is the voice of Ottawa's marketing and communications industry, and I'm your host, Tina Barton. Connect with me on Twitter and LinkedIn at Tina M. Barton. Thanks for tuning in, and join us again next time.